jump right into the word of God this morning, like we always like to do. And I'm going to go over here to the book of first, first Samuel in the old Testament, first Samuel chapter five. And we're going to just read this chapter and maybe a, a verse or two of verse of uh, chapter six. And just a quick little context. The, the Ark of the Covenant of God has been stolen. It's been stolen out of the land of the Israelites, and it is on enemy ground with people who don't know the Lord and who serve other gods. And so it says in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1, and the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And Dagon was uh, an idol that the Philistines worshipped. It looked like it had the face of a man. It had like the, the chest of a man and the hands of a man. But then at the waist and lower, it looked like a fish. And it had like a, like, like, like the tail of a fish. So this was an, an idolatry that the Philistines were in. And they stole the Ark of God in verse 1. And then they had the nerve to bring the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, into the temple of their idol. And they put the Ark of the Covenant right beside their huge statue in the house of Dagon. They said it by Dagon. Verse 3 says, And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow the next morning, behold, Dagon was falling upon his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord again. And this time it says in the head of Dagon and, and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Verse five says, therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, the ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us any longer, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. Get it out of here. Let's put it somewhere else. And they carried the ark of the God of Israel about there. And it was so after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of that city, both small and great. And they had emrods in their secret parts. Oh my God. They had tumors. Chapter six says, and the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, all this trouble before the Philistines call for their priests in verse two and the diviners, the soothsayers saying, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us where we should send. Should we send it back to where it was? And they said, 
if you send away the ark of God back to Israel, you better not send it empty. You better send an offering with it. You better send a trespass offering. I'm paraphrasing, I'm getting excited. Then you shall be healed and it shall be known to you why his hand was not removed from you. Father, we thank you right now for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is mighty right now in the place where we are, just like your presence was mighty on that enemy ground where the Ark of the Covenant was in a place that it shouldn't have been. We thank you, Father God, that your presence is mighty, that your presence is mighty in love for us. Your presence is mighty in deliverance to save us. And we thank you, Lord God, that your presence is mighty to trouble the things that try to trouble us. We give you glory and praise for this day that you've made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak expressly this morning. We ask you to invade the place where we are. Lord, if we're driving in the car, if we're sitting in the kitchen, if we're walking um, in the neighborhood, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to invade where we are right now. Let your presence rest on us in a mighty way, in a tangible way, in a, in a manifest way where it's clearly evident that you are in the midst and we thank you, Lord God, that where you are, we thank you, Lord God, that there is joy and there is peace. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. We thank you, Lord God, that we know we are your people because we get to hear the voice of the Lord. We are not those, we are not like them who are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. But we thank you, Lord God, that there is a word in due season that there will always be a word fitly spoken like apples of gold and settings of silver for your people, Lord, for those who are called by your name. And we are your people. God, we are your sons. We are your daughters. We are your persons. And we thank you that you are our God and you are in the midst of us right now. And now, Lord, behold the threatenings of the enemy and grant unto your servant that with all boldness, I shall make known the mystery of the gospel as I stretch forth your hand to heal, as I lift up my voice that you would speak through me, that signs and wonders might be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And if you're in agreement with that prayer, then say amen. We welcome you again to Shure Foundation Church. I'm so glad to see you. So glad that you're with us. I'm delighted to be the, the mouthpiece of the voice of the Spirit of God this morning so that you can hear what the Spirit of God is telling you. And as you can tell, I'm very excited about what the Spirit of God is going to say. We're going to continue with last week's word, which was a prophetic word. And I can tell you, anytime we open up the word of God, God is speaking. But last week was a little bit unique. And so is this week, because the spirit of God has given us a very specific word, a relevant word for right now. Meaning, if you are under the sound of my voice, you're not hearing this message by accident. The spirit of God knows exactly where you are right now at this moment in your life. He knows where, what you have transitioned out of in the previous weeks and months leading up to now, and he knows what is before you in the coming days and weeks and months. And the Spirit of God has a very specific word for all of us who are under the sound of my voice. And this is that word. The Spirit of God has said to us that he is causing us to, to come out of obstacles that maybe have been overwhelming for us. He's bringing us out of obstacles He's causing us to overcome those obstacles so that we can come into an overwhelming blessing. And that is the prophetic word of the Lord. And that's what we shared last week. And last week, we kind of focused on part A of that prophetic word. Now, let me just back up for a moment. Anytime there is a prophetic word, all we're, we're not, it's not, it's nothing spooky. It's just saying that the spirit of God 
is breathing life on a particular word out of out of out of the Bible that is really relevant for right now. It's a revealed and relevant knowledge from God about our circumstances right now. And we really want to make sure that we pay attention when God speaks like that. So this is a prophetic word. And what the spirit of God is saying is that he is causing us to overcome obstacles so that we can come into an overwhelming blessing. And last week we talked about the over, overcoming those obstacles. And we defined last week what it means to overcome. And we were in Psalm chapter 18 and verse 28. And we saw in verse 28 of Psalm chapter 18, it said that the Lord was going to light our candle and the Lord our God was going to enlighten our darkness. And we expounded on what it means that God wants to do something on the inside of us first. He wants to light our candle. Then God is going to do something that is manifest in our circumstances. He's going to enlighten our darkness. And we went on and we we're talking about how to overcome an obstacle literally means for us to come over that obstacle. If you turn the word overcome around, it means to come over, overcome, come over. It means to come over something. It means to succeed in dealing with a problem or a difficulty, just like someone who has to work hard in overcoming their own paralyzing shyness that makes them socially awkward. For everybody else, it's easy to come into a room and have a conversation, but not for that person. For them to speak with somebody and look somebody in the eye, they are working really hard. They are, they are actually focused on purpose to come over this difficulty that they have of socializing with other people. We're talking about that word overcome. We defined it last week because God wants us to overcome obstacles. We said that overcome also means that we're going to defeat an opponent. We're going to prevail. And in some cases, the word overcome means that we're going to prevail without a lot of special effort on our part, meaning God is stepping in to help us. And the word overcome also means that we're going to overpower. We're going to overwhelm something. We're going to outlast the trouble that has troubled us. We're going to see that again in another place in the word of God in just a moment, just reviewing very quickly. Then we said last week that the, the word obstacles, you know, that God wants us to overcome, define overcome and obstacles. God wants, to, wants us to overcome obstacles because those obstacles, God has already given us the capability to overcome those obstacles. And that comes because of 1 John chapter 4. We looked at verses 3 through 6. And I'm going to highlight, I'm just going to move really quickly. You'll have to listen to last week's message again. But verse 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. And we defined overcome out of the word of God. It means to conquer, it means to do, it means to put something under your rule and to prevail over it and to get the victory. And we asked the question last week, why did God, why does God give us the ability to overcome an obstacle. And we said that God gives us that ability because we have a relationship with him. That ability to overcome obstacles, it comes out of a relationship with him because he is inside of us. And if we're willing to let him drive, then the Lord will, will drive us right out of our trouble. He'll drive us right out of our obstacles. So this week, I want to focus on the overwhelming blessing that God has for us. Now, again, this is a prophetic word. When the spirit of God speaks a prophetic word, I told you last week, I don't like to just say that the spirit of God is telling me to say something unless I know that God told me to say it. And I said last week that I felt like the apostle Paul, he said in Romans chapter nine and verse one, that, that when the spirit of God spoke to him, he said, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows this is not Paul right now, right? This is, 
I'm just saying what the spirit of God, what I heard the spirit of God say, and what he told me to tell you. And he said, my conscience bears many witness in the Holy Ghost. I tell the truth. I lie not. And I want to tell you with that same level of emphasis that this is what the spirit of God is telling me to say to you this morning and wants to apply to your life. There's a prophetic word that God was wanting you to overcome an obstacle because there is an overwhelming blessing right around the corner. You might not be able to see it right now, but it is at hand. It is within your grasp. It is not far from you. And God wants you to receive it. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about that part of this this week, the overwhelming blessing that God has for you. So I'm going to ask for you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28, because there's an overwhelming blessing that God has for you. And you know, I always have a lot of scriptures. I'm going to move right along because I don't want to be too long, but I do want to allow the spirit of God to move at the pace that he desires. So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse one, and it shall come to pass. This is God talking now. I'll give you a little context. This is God talking. This is God talking through Moses to the people of Israel. And just to give you context, because God wants you to understand what he's saying, and it, it, it makes sense for where you are. God's people are in a place of transition right now, just like, just like you are under the sound of my voice. God, they're in a place of transition where they were enslaved to another nation, to the nation of Egypt for so long until they can't even remember what it was like to be free again. They had been enslaved for 400 years. So that slavery was on mom and dad and their children and their grandchildren and their grandchildren's children. That's how long that slavery went, multiple generations. And so now they're in a place of transition because God has brought them out of slavery. God has brought them out of slavery, out of the bondage of Egypt. God has brought them out of an abusive relationship. Anybody ever been in an abusive relationship? If, if, when, when God brings you out of an abusive relationship, God might have brought you out, and that's a good thing, but that doesn't mean that you're healed yet. It doesn't mean that you're ready to go into another relationship yet, but it's just good that God has brought you out, but you're not all the way right yet, but God brought you out. So we're in a place of transition. And that's where the people of Israel were. They were out of that abusive relationship, but they were not yet made whole. They had not yet come into the land flowing with milk and honey. They were just, but they were out of Egypt. They were out of the place of bondage. So it was a good thing, but it wasn't all the way good yet. That's where some of you are right now. You're in a better place than where you were six months ago, but you're not quite where you, you can breathe out and say, oh my God, I'm so glad to be where I'm at right now right? You're grateful that you're out of where you were, but you're not quite where God wants you to be just yet. So you're in a place of transition. That's where the people of God were in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this is what Moses says by the spirit of God. He says, and it shall come to pass now that you're in transition. You're not in the land flowing with milk and honey yet, but you are out of Egypt. This is a place of transition. So now we got to be careful in transition place. It shall come to pass. Moses is giving him direction. Now, if you shall hearken diligently, to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what the spirit of God is telling you to do. I'm paraphrasing, to observe, to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee. Now, the spirit of God told me to tell you, you have overcome obstacles and you are getting ready to come into an overwhelming blessing. We can see it right here in verse two. And all these blessings shall come on thee. Now we already said overcome means to come over. 
So we have come over those obstacles and now we've come over those obstacles and the blessing of God is getting ready to come over us and overwhelm us. And all these blessings shall come on thee. And there it is, shall overtake thee. I want to define this word overtake. This word overtake, Hebrew word nasuk or nasag, I may be mispronouncing it, but it's a Hebrew word that means that the blessing is going to reach for you, meaning you don't have to look for it. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to worship for it. There is a blessing that God has for you that is ready to seize you. Have you ever been arrested? I hope not. But if you have, to be arrested means it's kind of of aggressive. It's kind of, there's some force to it. And in the same way that somebody can be arrested, right? Almost not, you know, almost beyond their will, meaning they don't have a decision in the matter. It's the same way that God's blessing wants to seize you, wants to reach for you, wants to arrest you, and it wants to overwhelm you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's what we're talking about here when we talk about the overwhelming blessing of God in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So then it says in verse three, blessed shall you be in this, just in case you don't understand what God means when he says the blessing is going to arrest you and overtake you and overwhelm you. If you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord, your God, he expounds in verse three. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. You're going to be blessed in the city and in the field. You're going to be blessed in the food of your body and the food of your ground and the food of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Now in their old Testament lifestyle, Cattle was a source of wealth. Cattle was the source of quality of life. It was a source of income. It was a source of, uh, you know, just having what they need to survive. And God tells them clearly, you're going to be overwhelmed in that. So for us here in our day that we live, our day and age in our country that we live in, well, then that means our careers. It means the things that we own. You know, it means, you know, a house. If we don't have a house, it means a, a business. If we don't have a business, it means that God's going to bless your career. Verse five says, blessed shall, shall your basket and your store be, meaning your accounts, your investments, right? Verse six says, blessed shall you be when you come in, blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse seven says, the Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And we know that our enemies... And this day and age are not necessarily other people, but our enemies are circumstances. Our enemies are things that we can't see. Our enemies are the devil who's real. Some of you under the sound of my voice still are, are playing around and acting like there is no real devil. And that is exactly what Satan likes. He likes for you to, to think that the only thing that you have to contend with in life is life itself. I want to tell you by the spirit of God and just natural wisdom that Life is one thing. We know life can be hard, but the devil, that's something else. We know that that life can be difficult, but the Bible says very clearly that the thief, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know life can be hard. Life circumstances can be difficult, but the devil is actively working against you to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy the things that God has for you. And so, but God has come to give us life. So verse seven says, he, the Lord will cause our enemies that rise up against us. They might come in one way, but they're going to flee seven ways. They're going to be scattered. That, 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 that reminds me of a scripture that says, arise, O Lord, let thy enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. Verse eight says, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee 
in thy storehouses and in all that thou setst thy hand to, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Look at all this blessing. We haven't stopped yet since verse one. And we're all the way down to verse nine. The Lord shall establish thee in, as a holy people to himself, just like he told you, just like he promised, as he swore unto you, if thou will keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Notice the only the only if in all this and all these factors of blessing is that we got to just stay with the Lord. You might be 18 years old and God is saying, you got to stay with me as you transition into adulthood, as you transition into becoming a 21-year-old adult in this country. You got to stay with me. Maybe you are already an adult and you are getting ready to get married. God is saying, stay with me. He's, he's saying, you got to keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Continue to walk in this way. Maybe you're getting ready to have children for the first time. Maybe you are getting ready to retire. Wherever you are in your life, the Spirit of God is saying, stay with me because you have overcome some obstacles. And now I'm getting ready to overwhelm you with my blessing. Verse 10 says, and all the people of the earth that see you, wow, that shall see you will be able to say that, wow, you are called by the name of the Lord. And it says they shall be afraid of thee. And that means they're going to respect the God that's on your life. They're going to be able to say, man, I, when I pray, I, so I think something happens. But when I see that person pray, something clearly happens. They're going to be afraid. They're going to respect God's presence in your life. And then verse 11 says, and the Lord shall make you plenty. Now we're still talking about the blessing of God. Is this not overwhelming? It says, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruit of your body and in the fruit of your cattle, fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give you. We're still talking about the blessing of God. Verse 12 says, then the Lord shall open. Are you overwhelmed yet? Are you overcome yet with the blessing? I'm getting overwhelmed. Verse 12 says, then the Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season. Now watch this. This is not just talking about something physical. This is not just talking about blessings that are in the natural that we could try to convince ourselves that maybe we did something to get that. Now, just to make it even more clear, the spirit of God is saying that he's gonna open unto us his good treasure and he's gonna pour out a blessing from heaven. And what the spirit of God is saying is that this is not just rain on our land at like, like we're farmers. What the spirit of God is saying is he's gonna pour out a blessing that is undeniable that it came from heaven. That even though we know God did the cattle thing and God did the fruit of our body thing and God did, you know, our kind and God did the, the, the uh, establishing, establishing us as his holy people unto himself like he swore and God did the fruit of our body and the plenteous of goods, you know, all of those things are the spirit of God. But now this is another level where God says in verse 12, he's going to open up his good treasure out of heaven and give rain unto the land in his season and bless all the work of our hand, meaning God is gonna do something that we can't, we can barely articulate, but that we know this was almighty God, hallelujah. And we're talking about all these overwhelming blessings that God has for us. But the context of it is that the people of God, just like you and I, they were in a place of transition. They were in a place where God had brought them out of something that was not good or something that was horrible or something that just wasn't all that God had for us. They were in transition. God had brought them out of something, but they weren't quite in where God was trying to take them. They were in a place of transition. Transition place can be uncomfortable. It can be unsettling. It can be distasteful. It can be uncomfortable. And in that place, the spirit of God is telling us with consistency, we must 
keep the commandments of the Lord our God. And, and all we're saying when we say keep the commandments of the Lord our God, God is saying, if you're under the sound of my voice, do what God told you to do right now. Don't wait for it. Do it now. Don't linger around. Don't circle what the spirit of God has told you to do. Some of you, the spirit of God has been telling you for years, go back to church. Or he's been telling you for years, find a pastor. Or he's been telling you for years, meet with me with consistency. You know, not out of rule or religion, but out of wanting to have a relationship with Almighty God. God's been telling you for years and no condemnation because we've been missing it for years, but God is still saying now is the acceptable time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Come and do it now. It's not too late. Hurry up and do it now while it's not too late. That's what the spirit of God is saying. And so when we're in a place of transition, there is all these blessings that God is trying to, to, to get us to see that are right around the corner. If we can be faithful, we've overcome some obstacles as it is, but God wants you to come into some additional blessing that he's had, that he has for you. The people of God in Deuteronomy chapter 28, they were, they hadn't yet come into the blessing, the full blessing that God had for them, but they had still seen a whole lot of miracles. They'd overcome a lot of obstacles. They had come out of bondage for 400 years. They had watched God do whatever it took to make them free from their captors. God, they had watched God play their captors, kill the firstborn. They, they watched God cause all kinds of frogs to be in the land. And, you know, they, they, the, the enemies couldn't drink any water for a long time because the water all turned to blood. Like they, they seen God do all kinds of things. They watched God keep it, make it dark in the land of their enemies, but it was still light in their camp where they were. I mean, God, they had seen God do all kinds of things. And then on top of that, the Bible says that when their captors released them, the Bible says that they were released and God healed all their bodies and then all their captors gave them all their money. So the Bible said there was not one feeble one amongst them. If you read your Bible, Psalm chapter 105, verse 15, not one feeble one, feeble one was amongst them and all their tribe. Nobody was sick. Nobody was down. And they had all the silver and the gold. Oh, my God. Then when their captors lost their mind and tried to capture them back and put them back in chains, God put a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. God caused there to be a separation from them. God opened the Red Sea and let them pass and then swallow, swallow the Red Sea up when the enemies tried to follow them. Like they saw all these miracles and they overcome a lot, but they weren't quite in the land that flowed with milk and honey yet. And that's what the Spirit of God is telling you, that you have overcome some obstacles. God wanted you to overcome those obstacles, but he's getting ready to bring you into an overwhelming blessing. Now I'm going to close with this because we said that the blessing of God is overwhelming. We've already defined what that means. It will overtake you. The blessing of God that God has for you will overwhelm you. It will arrest you. It will seize you. Meaning you don't have to look for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to beg for it. It's looking for you. It's going to run you down. All you have to do is stay close to God and do what he's telling you to do. Psalm chapter 133 verses one through three says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment. Now we're talking about the anointing of God upon the head that ran down from the head upon the beard. That's how the anointing goes. The, the, the anointing, when the anointing God, of God comes on you, it comes in order. There's an order to the anointing. It comes on the head, then it comes down the face along the beard, then it runs down to our clothes, then down to our pants. Uh, it's like it says in verse two, ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. 
as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Here we go. Watch out now. It says in, in, in part B of verse three, Psalm 133, for there the Lord, what? Commanded the blessing, meaning it wasn't a, a, a passive blessing. It was aggressive. The blessing that God has for you, God's going to charge you with that blessing. It's a forceful blessing. It's an impactful blessing. This word commanded, it's a Hebrew word that means that God is charging you. God is appointing you with blessing. God is anointing you with oil. God is giving orders for you to walk in the blessing of God. God is charging you. It's, it's like if a blessing of God, if the blessing of God is a basket, a ba- you know, like a basketball game, half court. If the blessing of God is that basket, that rim, God is not going to be gentle placing that ball through the basket. God's going to slam dunk that ball through the basket. That's the kind of commanded blessing that God has for you and I, according to Psalm chapter 133. It's a commanded blessing, even life forevermore. Hallelujah. It's an aggressive blessing. It's a blessing that's going to seize you. It's going to arrest you. Hallelujah. Because God commanded it. God ordained it. Now, I want you to see one more thing as I close. The Bible says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there is trouble in the land of Israel again. They, they're just like us. They go through seasons where they would be in trouble and God would have to bring them out. And they would worship the Lord and please God. And then they would mess up and get in trouble again. And God would bring them out. And then they would ask God to forgive them. And then they would love God, worship God. And they would mess up and they would come into trouble again and ask God to bring them out. And God would bring them out again. That's just like us. It says here in verse 20, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab, children of Ammon, and them with other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Jehoshaphat is this king of Judah, and he is responsible for God's people in Judah and in Jerusalem. And it says in verse two, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there is coming a great multitude against you from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in, that's a tough word to say, has a tongue tomorrow, which is En and Jehoshaphat feared. And he set himself to seek the Lord because he knew there were enemies coming that were overwhelming. They had, they didn't have the power to fight against this enemy and they were afraid. Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed, thank God he had some sense. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah and Judah gathered themselves together to ask the Lord for help. Even all the cities of Judah that came to seek the Lord and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Jerusalem, Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, Oh Lord, God of our fathers, or are you not the God in heaven? And don't you rule over everything? I'm paraphrasing. And in your hand, is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are you not our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, my friend forever? He's telling the Lord, he's reminding the Lord, Lord, you did it before. Lord, we need your help again. Lord, there is trouble coming again and we need you to deliver us again. Verse eight says, and they dwelt therein and I built the sanctuary and then he says, and Lord, if when evil comes upon us and the sword and judgment and pestilence and famine, and we stand in this house and in your presence, and because your name is in this house and we cry to you in prayer with our affliction, you will hear and help. Now he's telling the Lord, he's praying, he's fasting. And then he says, Lord, they are coming. Verse 10. And now behold, Lord, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who you would not let Israel invade, they have come out of the land of Egypt. They have turned from them 
They have destroyed them not. And he says, they are coming to get us. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to go on down here to verse 14. Watch what happens. Uh, let me go to verse 13. And Judah stood before the Lord with all their little ones and their wives and children. Then watch what happens. The spirit of God comes on somebody. The spirit of God comes on Jehaziel. Jehaziel is one of the priests who God would use every now and again to help carry the Ark of the Covenant. He was one of the priests in the reign of David who helped move the Ark around. He also helped join David at Ziklag, that time when David and his wives and his children were all kidnapped. And the Bible says that the men cried until they couldn't cry anymore. They couldn't eat. It got so bad they were turning on each other and turning on David. He was one of those priests. He's one of those warriors. So Jehaziel had a past. He had a history. He had some experience in the things of God. And the spirit of God comes on Jehaziel and his, by the way, Jehaziel, his name means beheld of God. Bible says that the spirit of God came on Jehaziel in this moment and he gets a word from the Lord. And when he gets a word from this word from the Lord, he starts talking in verse 14. And this is what he says. He says, because the enemies are coming. He says, hark, uh, verse 15, he says, Hearken you, or meaning hear and obey all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and king of Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord unto you, don't be afraid or dismayed by reason of this evil, this challenge, this obstacle that's coming. Because you're going to overcome this obstacle like the spirit of God is saying. And there's an overwhelming blessing on the other side of it. I'm telling you that by the spirit of God, by reason of this great multitude. And, and when this is what Jehoshaphat says, he says, because the battle is not yours, but, but God's. And then he starts prophesying. And he says, tomorrow, go down against them. They're going to come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you're going to find them. The Spirit of God is already telling them the enemy strategy. You're going to find them over at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel, and you will not need to fight in this battle. All you need to do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. In verse 17, O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, says it again. Don't be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them because the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat, heard, he hears this prophecy. And this is so powerful because it comes from this priest, this warrior who had a history of God, whose name meant beheld of God. And I love the Bible, because there's nothing in the Bible by accident. If we go back to verse 14, it says, upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, Jehaziel, mean, mean, his name means beheld of God. And it, it, on purpose, God didn't need to tell us that Jehaziel was the son of Zechariah and the son of Benaniah and the son of Jael, Jeel, and the son of Mataniah. Why, why did God say all of that? Because God knows exactly what he was doing. Because Jehaziel's name means that God sees you, means be held of God, says that he is the son of his father, Zechariah, and his name means that God remembers you. Glory to God. Jehovah remembers. Then God went, goes and puts his grandfather, Jehaziel's grandfather's name in there, Benaniah, because his name means that God has built you up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Then he goes and he puts in his great-grandfather's name, J I can barely say his name, J-I-L, because his name means God sweeps away. And then he puts his great-grandfather's name in there, his great-grandfather's name, or maybe his great-great-great-grandfather's great name, Madaniah, because Madaniah's name means that God is our gift, gift of Jehovah. And so what the Spirit of God is saying is that 
that when that deliverance comes, that deliverance comes because Jehaziel's name means God's, that God sees you. You are seen of God. So God sees us. Zechariah's name means that God has remembered us. Benaniah's name means God has, God has built us up. Then, it, then, it, then Jael's name means that God has swept us up. God has swept away the things that have come against us. And the Madaniah name means that, that God is our gift. So all of those things, that's the spirit of God telling you on purpose. And then that word of prophecy comes that we don't even need to fight in this battle. All we need to do is stand and see what the Lord is going to do. Then verse 18, I'm closing. This is the overwhelming blessing. Jehoshaphat, the king, when he hears this word of prophecy, he puts his head, he bows his head with his face to the ground. He worships the Lord. And because he worships all Judah and Jerusalem, they all worship the Lord. And then because they all start worshiping the Lord, as the enemies come in, God does something to the enemies. We keep on reading your Bible. And, and Jehoshaphat says that we're going to believe God. If you believe God, then you'll be established. We're going to believe this prophecy and we'll be prospering in this word of prophecy. Then it says that, that they, send, they sent the singers out ahead. They didn't send the people with the swords and the shields. They sent the singers to go and praise the Lord. And as they started praising the God and worship, worshiping the Lord, the Bible says in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were coming against Judah, and they killed themselves. They were smitten. They killed themselves until every single one of them were dead, according to verse 23, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they were, they might've been expecting to see a big battle and an overwhelming multitude, even though God had already told them they weren't going to have to fight. And when they looked, all they saw were dead bodies falling to the earth. And the Bible says not one escaped. And then the Bible says in verse 25, that when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance, both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they were able to strip off for themselves more than they could carry away. That's the overwhelming blessing that the spirit of God is telling you, you have overcome some things and God is ready to bring you into an overwhelming blessing. I want you to lift your hands right now where you are. And give the Lord some worship, give the Lord some praise for his goodness, for his loving kindness, for his tender mercy, for his wonderful works in your life, in the life of your children, if you have any, in the life of, uh, of, of, of the things that you have influence over, the things that you can touch, the things that are in your sphere of, of power. God is causing those things to flourish. God is causing those things to, to be fruitful, to be nourished. God is causing those things to spring up into life. And so we're going to lift our hands and worship the Lord right now. And Father, we thank you for your presence. We worship you, God. We glorify you. We receive this word that you have caused us to overcome our obstacles so that we can walk into this overwhelming blessing. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is so power, so powerful that if we take your word and we place your word right in the middle of our troubling circumstances, right in the middle of our trouble. Like it says in Psalm chapter 23, you have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. If we'll do that, then you will anoint our head with oil until our cup 
runs over until we are overwhelmed and overtaken with your blessing. Just like your word, the Ark of the Covenant, overtook that ungodly idol Dagon statue and caused it to fall on its face the first day. And then the second day caused it to fall on its face with its hands cut off, both hands cut off, leaving just a stump. And, and, and when they still wouldn't get rid of the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and get out of that unholy ground, it caused the, 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 the people that didn't have a covenant with you, it caused them to have to endure all kinds of sickness and turmoil because of the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is mighty and powerful in our lives. And we thank you, Lord God, that we are seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living while we are still alive in this earth. We thank you, Lord God, that you are with us and that your will for us is good and not evil, for you have not appointed us to obtain wrath, but to obtain salvation through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.